there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining the show later, um, our, our opponent preview of the week, it is Noah Kaufman from Inside NU. Um, that would be SB Nation's Northwestern site. He's going to be joining us a little bit later, but sitting across from me um, at the most jerry-rigged uh, <laughs> podcast setup ever. <laughs> Greg Smith. Oh man, what's up, buddy? Oh, not a lot. We do have a football here, though. We do. It, it feels like it, it feels like we should be doing a football podcast, and it's starting to feel like football weather outside, much to my chagrin, because um, I like it as hot as possible. It's hoodie weather, um, bro. I don't want I have hoodie, hoodie weather. I've, I've, I've worn a hoodie weather. three days in a row. And I could not be more happy about it. I want shorts weather in which I really don't wear shorts all that often. And then I can still just be hot. Like, I'm, I'm fine with being hot. Tropical people. I am not fine being hot. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's just be hot. No. Hot sucks. If I can layer, <laughs> have, have a, a nice cardigan on, okay. I'm happy. <laughs> I can bust out, like, three quarters of my closet right now. Like, like in the summertime, I'm confined to, like, 20% of the clothing that i own see that's so weird because i'm like the exact opposite it might be even more extremes i think like 90 percent of my clothing is short sleeve the winter is what i live for so i came to the right place you did i did not apparently no you should you should live in oklahoma you should have been the one that was probably probably we've turned this into a fashion podcast cold cold (laughs) night last saturday that's my transition god it was awful um I don't really know what to get into first with that game. I know we're going to talk recruiting in a little bit because the the biggest question that you have gotten over the last however many days since that game ended was like, hey, um, how terrible was that for recruiting? We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, first, I, I want to just talk to you about what your, what your big takeaway from Nebraska's um, shellacking against Ohio State was because my like I like we did a we did a different thing with the rapid we've been doing three takeaways this year mm-hmm. and this week at halftime I asked our editors I was like can we just do one takeaway because there's really only one that matters and to me it was like this game and I've said it throughout this past week that the margin I don't think says anything about Nebraska's ability to beat Northwestern this weekend mm-hmm. the only thing that the margin of that game tells me and the only thing that really that game was good for against Ohio State was answering the question of whether Nebraska is ready to take that next step as a program. And clearly, it is not. 
Yes, I, I would agree with you. One thing before I um, forget, I, I thought that, that I, the idea of just doing the one uh, takeaway on the rap, it was great. <laughs> Let me say that because really you are correct. Only one mattered. Um, you were kind of forced to say that, though. No, I'm not forced to say that. I did like it. I, I just wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I liked it, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, so, but I think that I actually, though, I slightly disagree. I will disagree slightly on Ooh. a finer point of this. And you said that... Like the next step as a program, right? I think we keep skipping a step. And by we, I mean everyone, everyone involved in this, whether it's media, whether it's fans, I think some of the players, um, coaches, everyone is skipping a step. Nebraska has been bad, awful, right? Mm -hmm. For the last couple of years. That is no secret. Nebraska needs to get to competent slash average and even good before they start really calling on Ohio State, who is elite. And so I think that when we skip that step, we do a a little bit of a disservice to how far Nebraska has to come. And I think that that gets expectations out of whack. But then also, like, it's just tough to go from bad to elite. Like, you know, like, it's just, there's just a large gap there. Now, we saw that. <laughs> we saw it on, on Saturday. 41-point gap. Yeah. So, but, like, it, it, there's a large gap there. So, I think Nebraska has to get back to the, because they're the opponent this week, it actually makes perfect sense. But they have to get to the Northwestern level before they can start to think about the Ohio State level. Okay, I have a question. I, I, I like when we disagree Usually, most of the time on this podcast, we have very similar we aligned <laughs> beliefs. So yeah. I like when we disagree, we can have a fun conversation. Ne- like these next four games, so Nebraska has, has Northwestern and then Minnesota on the road, and then they have a bye week, and then they have Indiana at home and Purdue. I think it's yeah, Purdue, Purdue on the yeah. road. Uh, whoever the, the dude is on the forum that yells at me that I don't understand or know the, the schedule, have a field day with that one. You're welcome. Um, these next four games are against. Big t- the Big Ten's middle class. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nebra- you don't. Yeah. Think, is Nebraska not in that? Because like, this would be the, this would be the tier the- below the Ohio State's. Or or would you put? So uh, I'm going to ask you about tiering. Then would you? Uh-huh. Is Ohio State and Michigan and Wisconsin in the same tier? Is Michigan State in that same top tier? Or is there like a middle ground between where Ohio State is at and say? where Michigan State is at, and then where Northwestern is at. Yes, that one. I think that there is a difference. I think, Listen, I think Ohio State's in a class by themselves, and okay. then there is, then everyone else can start to slot in. So then you have Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, and I guess Michigan, and then you have Northwestern and the schools in that group, and we'll see if Nebraska's... You don't have Nebraska in the third tier in the Big Ten? Here's the problem. They won nine games like three years ago. (laughs) They're probably, they're in that tier, but they would be towards the bottom of that tier until until they can consistently beat Northwestern and Purdue... Um, and those types of teams, which they have not consistently done. Like, I'm not saying that they they should, by the way, win these next four games, and then they could start to talk about being at the top of that tier. But they have to do that first before we can really just wholesale say, hey, Nebraska is hanging out in the group just below Michigan State and Wisconsin. I think that's fair. That's not fair. Okay, here, here's what Ohio State and Wisconsin are at the top. Okay. Then you've got Michigan just knocking on the door of the top, but we'll never be able to get up into that top as long as Jim Harbaugh is there. Um, (laughs) Michigan State, Iowa. I don't put Iowa in the same class as Wisconsin. That's rude. Um, 
like Nebraska's right there of getting of being in that tier. Are they not like like I, I'm but not I'm not about is, to sit here and say that Nebraska and Indiana are on the on level playing field in the Big Ten. They, they're not. not. I know I how much you love your guy Tom Allen. Uh, Tom Allen not. is the man. Let me say that for the record. Um, I would play for him any day. Um, like, but like you're talking about Nebraska and Indiana and Minnesota are on are on, are on level ground. I right would now. not do not no do not have the people after me. I did not say that. Okay. Um, they are not on the same ground. Like these um, next four games as I look at, it, I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. These next four games, as I look at it, Nebraska feels like it is above these next four teams as a program when it comes to the Big Ten hierarchy. So this is Nebraska's chance to prove it. If they go four and zero, they're above those teams. Yes, I would. T- I would totally agree. If with they that. go two and two, okay, <laughs> then... now we have to re. Now we have to reevaluate where Nebraska's at as a program. If they go three and one, that's a conversation we can cross that bridge when we get there. But if they go four and zero against these programs, and they should, they should. That is an indication of where Nebraska's at in the Big Ten standings, and if, if the Big Ten hierarchy, not standings. If you tell mm-hmm. me that Nebraska and Indiana are on the same playing field, I'm going to lose it. That is not what I'm saying. Okay. So do not lose it. Uh, please don't. Um, I I agree with what you just said. I think that Nebraska has an opportunity to prove it. Um, I also believe you wrote that this week. Um, They have the opportunity to prove it. Um, And and I think that they should. Like, honestly, I really think that they should win these next four games. They are favored in this game against Northwestern the last time. Well, the Open was – so it's gone down a little. Seven and a half. Um, The Open at, what, eight? Um, So – and I think that they'll be favored in the the next three after that as well. Yeah. and so they should. They should go out and win these games, and then that can validate some of what you're saying about their tier. I just need to see that before we can say that they're in the tier that you're saying that they're in. So one of the questions we got this week in the mailbag was how important are these next four games? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like these next four games are, are vitally important to the season? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because Nebraska needs to Nebraska needs to get in put themselves in position to be able to compete for the West and they can't do that without having a really good stretch of football right here. And you need to just from a psyche um standpoint, I feel like the best case scenario is that Nebraska shows improvement over these next four games, continues to build upon good play so that people can feel like they have a shot in that Wisconsin game, which I think is feasible. I don't think because I, and I also, though I feel like I say this every year about Wisconsin and maybe I disrespect Wisconsin, but I feel like they're beatable if you play sound enough football and have pretty good athletes. And I know that that's total, like almost disrespectful to what they do, I mean, um, but it drives me nine. nuts. Yeah. North so North like it kind of, they, play sound they just play sound football. And then, and then as we're going to see this weekend, Northwestern, if you've watched them and if you watch that game against Wisconsin, they're not explosive in any way. They just play really sound football and that's described them for years, but they've had some guys here and there that have been pretty good football players. Justin Jackson, I was just there. Um, was really good. So, like, if you can just play good football, clean football, you'll have a chance in that Wisconsin game. But you need these four games to prove that you can start to build towards that um, or even get there. Not even build towards that. You really need to be there by the time you get to that Wisconsin Yeah, game. these next four games need to be, like, you've won the turnover margin. you like, plus four or five in the turn. Like, you need to yeah. – like, Nebraska is not a clean football team right now. Right. And they need to prove – that they can. So what they, are they? Are they, they minus six in even, the Big I Ten? I believe the they're minus margin. six just in the Big Ten, and they're in the Big Ten games because it's probably not pretty. Uh, but I can pull it up right now because yeah, like they really need to be. 
Cut down the penalties. Cut down the mental cut down mistakes. The, but the thing is, can cut I down. say something about the penalties that I want to make sure I get out there and on the record? They, yes, they need to cut down the penalties. They need to just eliminate special teams penalties. Nebraska's minus four in turnovers. Okay, margin. four. So like, sorry, I apologize. I gave them two extra turnovers. In um, five games, they're minus four. They have ten takeaways. Yeah, you can't have double-digit takeaways and still be minus four. They are at second this point in, in the, the conference season. in takeaways, yeah, that's and they insane. have a minus four margin. Yeah, you can't. It can't be like that. Okay, so here's, here's the, <laughs> like that's not <laughs> that's not sustainable. Here's the problem, and this was this is the main discussion that I wanted to get to, and this is as good of a transition into it as possible. They need to figure out how to hang on to the football. Mm-hmm. And when I say they, I mean Adrian. Mm. Uh, so well, this, the, do, the well, that stuff, depends on do you believe that uh, Mills has figured out his fumbling issue? Stu- well, he didn't. He didn't fumble it against Ohio State. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, there's there's a, there's but there's at least at least a step there. <laughs> yeah. a step. Yeah. yeah, he he was committed to the bit. I'll say <laughs> he was committed uh, to after the, the Illinois game and holding the ball throughout the week. He was committed to the bit. I, like I agree with people that. Adrian's struggles against Ohio State were not all because of him. Mm-hmm. I agree. But the dude needs to hang on to the football. Like, he leads all active FBS players in fumbles since the beginning of his freshman season. So in the last 17 games, he has more fumbles than any other player in the country. And against Ohio State... He had the one interception where the first one he was flushed out of the pocket. He threw late and back across his body. That's a bad decision. Now, he was under duress, but that's a bad decision. The also, second one, good play. A good play by Akuda, yeah. God, that guy's so good. But bad decision. Yes, late yes, I, I'm with you. Yes, yes. Uh, on the whole, yes, your point is correct. Yes. The second one, Farniak was in his lap. He didn't, he didn't follow through. He didn't step forward. Lucky play, whatever. The second one was the guy on his on his, on butt. his back. Yeah. yeah, people have been arguing about whose fault that one is. We don't have to get into that if you want to. The third one, he just airmailed it, and I don't know what happened. He Frost said on Monday that he can't believe that Adrian needs to be defended from criticism. I don't necessarily agree I with that. Think that that's yeah. a little strong. To, and I told you this right after that happened. Like we talked about it right after he said that. Um, I think that there is. There is room for criticism. I don't think that we need to go all the way to, oh, my God, he shouldn't be the quarterback. Right. Like, I think it's, that the, there is room in the middle there, right? And, and I think that that's sometimes where, and we, we've talked off Mike about this throughout the week, I think that that's sometimes where people in both media and the fan base have struggled to deal with that in-between area um, where you don't have to go all the way to the extreme all, at all times. Um, so, yes, Frost, I think Frost is wrong there, flat out. Like, I think that there is room for criticism and that I understand why he needs to be defended um but i also think I, I just think that there is definitely room for adrian to improve his play but there is certainly room for everyone around him to improve their play as well like i think that both can be true at the same time yeah the offensive line needs to, to protect him i'm not going to say protect him better because they're not protecting him at all they need to protect him and it's so it's so streaky like I now I'm they're blending together with maybe it was Northern Illinois where I felt like there were times where he could make a sandwich back there, and then there would all be other times in the game where it wasn't like that at all. Then you I get mean, to Illinois and it's not like that again, especially in the first half. Think and about the first half against Colorado. He had all day. To yeah, throw. that one too. All day. His wide receivers need to be better. 
uh, Troy yes. Walters taught in every way, probably for, for the first time. Really, Troy Walters was like, "We need to stop messing around at the line of scrimmage. We need to get open. We need to run better routes. We need to get into our routes faster." They need better play from the wide receivers in in every way possible. Can I pause real quick on that? It, that to me has become the what's happening with wide receiver, and it started with just who was getting on the field. Why can't these guys get on the field? Now it's these guys don't seem to be improving all that much or they're doing too much of this or too little of that. Like that's getting to be a little bit of a subplot within like just the program because that falls at Troy Walter's feet. Like you are the former Bolitnikov winner who is the wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator. Like we like people need him to be able to figure that out. Like it's just a, it's not. I'm not saying call for his job. Whatever. Just talking about extremes, right? Um, I'm just saying that that's something to me that has just really jumped out and something that I think was completely unexpected. Like I just did not see at this point um, of their tenure for us to still. What are we? What's this going into game six? Um, having these questions about why can't receivers get open? Why can't receivers run the correct routes? Why aren't they trustworthy? Like, I, I find that to be a little weird. I find it weird that uh, quarterback and coordinator don't trust the wide receivers. Like, I find that strange. Yeah. So if... if So what, so how does that... So my thing is, and this is maybe a bigger picture question, um, but how does that get addressed? And is it is it recruiting? Is I think it... you just need new bodies in there. Like, if, if Adrian doesn't trust Conovay to throw him the football, he can't play anymore. You need to try somebody else. They keep talking about Darian Chase and they get put him on the field. Yeah, yeah. See we're at the point to where you got to show me. Like we can't keep saying um, Darian Chase is close. We're gonna force feed player X. Woody is close. Like this guy might That's get the it. Guy. Jerron like Woodyard. put him on the field. Was he? It, it, have what? they alluded to him being injured? Do you, did you get the sense this week or uh, was that just yesterday? Where now we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Troy Walters that it felt like Woodyard was dealing with something and now he's back to being able to really be out there. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. They don't talk about injuries. Kate Warner had a fractured foot and the and only we way had we know no about idea. Like no one knew broadcast. at all. Yeah. <laughs> like no one knew that at all. Yeah. So um I, I think I think they were really put behind an eight ball with the Cade Warner deal. I think they were expecting Andre Hunt to be a significant piece of their yeah. wide receiver room. And the thing that happened with him that we, has st- just we still haven't off the still hasn't publicly it. been addressed. Um, I think those two things hurt them, but I mean, you, you're at a point where try some new guys. Conovay mm-hmm. is not getting it done. Try, yeah, it's try a, some new guys. It's a tough thing for him because I don't understand how we went. Remember, and I'm sure you watched it the same way I did when Conovay was first when it was announced that he was first coming on board about how he made those tough catches, right? And he was. But, but in fairness, now that I'm saying that in picture in the film, you could, it, there was not a lot of separation on a lot of those catches either. They were all tough, contested plays. So maybe we should have seen that coming. But at the same time, he's had some issues with drops. Um, and I don't mean this to just to, to pick on him, but it's just that he's the one we were talking about. It's just a, it's just been perplexing all around. Like, and and I feel like there are so many questions. Like it's it's kind of like how this whole like off season and then into the season, we felt like tight end just had no drama. I feel like all of that drama is that wide receiver. Like, every single bit of it. You know what I think this boils down to? What? Like, the wide receivers need to play better. The offensive line needs to play better. Cam Jurgens needs to get the snapping thing figured out, like, soon. 
mm-hmm. like like yesterday. Adrian needs to play better. It's not all on one person. No, everybody has to play better. I I just don't think they have any confidence right now. And and re- remember that Scott also has to call games in a matter that matches up with their mantra of no fear or failure. Because remember, that was an issue early in the season. And we're not talking about that now because he, it seems like that got a little bit better. Maybe what, at that Illinois game? I just think this is an offense. Every single person involved in the offense is playing with a great deal of anxiety or coaching with a great deal of mm-hmm. anxiety and absolutely no confidence. There is so much second guessing that's going on. With and I offense. think that all stems from this was supposed to be the year two leap where we saw the offense go into the stratosphere, starting with your preseason Heisman contending quarterback. Yeah. Like, and I think that that, and I think that that pressure to then trickle down into everybody wanting to make the perfect big play mm-hmm. versus just playing football. Like, I really think that that's where that all started. Yeah. There's a lot, and people listening to this are probably going to be like, well, the media added to that and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we did. But yeah, sure. Also, the coaches weren't exactly like shutting down <laughs> no, UCF comparisons and being like, no, we still have a long ways to go. Scott would, would give little nuggets where he's like, we're still a very, very young offense. We still have a lot of young players that are trying to learn. We have a redshirt freshman center. He also compared the redshirt freshman center to, to Dave Remington. Yeah, and he also said that... And he said he, that, that Adrian is making Patrick Mahomes like yes. throws in practice. <laughs> yes. And Mike Williams was compared to Tyreek Hill. Like, these are all things that happened this offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they expected more... Yeah, the yeah, I think that that's definitely. Yeah, I think that's fair. The yeah. defense has kept them afloat, but I think they expected a lot more from the offense, and I think everybody right now is just operating with a great deal of uncertainty and angst when it comes to that side of the football. And the thing that I'm absolutely terrified of is that a game like what we just saw against Ohio State, past Nebraska teams, it would have broken them, completely oh, yeah. broken them in half. What on earth are we going to see against Northwestern? I don't. I think this team is a, is is more mentally tough. I think this team is a tight knit group. I think they have the right leaders to keep everything together. I think the coaching staff is the right coaching staff to keep everything together. I don't think that that loss will break them, but I am very very interested to see how they come out against to, to begin the game against Northwestern because the first three weeks of the season, starting fast was not an issue, and now two weeks in a row. They have not been able to get out of their own way to begin a football mm-hmm. game. So does that get compounded to begin this Northwestern game? And if you put that defense in advantageous situations, that's the strength of Northwestern. Yes, and I, and I feel like I, I do – I agree that – I feel like Nebraska is better equipped to handle the adversity from last week and not having it bleed over to this week and being able to bounce back to that if for no other reason than a lot of these guys were on this team last year when they started 0-6 and and they were able to kind of navigate that, right? Mm -hmm. So you do have that in your back pocket and you're starting to have those building blocks of making kind of a tough team that can handle adversity, right? You don't want the adversity to be what it was last week, right? It could have just been a regular old loss. Um, but I but I still feel good about their ability to bounce back. But I do think it's really, really important for them this week to come out and have success early in this football game because, like Troy Walter described it as kind of a, what, a get-right game, a get-well game. I already mm-hmm. said it. Um, and I don't think that he was meaning that dis- in a disrespectful way at all. I just think that he it's a game in which Nebraska needs to get on track to get their offense on track for the rest of the season. Well, they can't say it. We can say it. It was called a spade a spade. Northwestern's offense sucks. They're it at, does. They're at 15 yeah. and a half points per game on the season. 
which is 128th out of 130 FBS programs. So Nebraska has a much bigger margin for error offensively against Northwestern than they did against Ohio State. If you put a three and out drive up there against Northwestern, it's not going to equal automatically seven points. Yeah. Like but, it did against Ohio State, right? But you can't. But the the only thing is, is that you've got to you've got to find a way for your Nebraska to to also execute in a way that can take advantage of that. Like not just get by because yeah, no, Northwestern saying, like, can't do it. No, I know. But I'm just saying, like if you're them, like you also have to. You've got to be able to start to take advantage of what opponents don't do well. Yeah, I just want to see. I just want to see the offense get a little bit of breathing room, like. If it's a six-play, 50-yard drive that ends in a field goal attempt, that's fine. If it's a three-play, negative two-yard drive like they've had a bunch of the last couple weeks, that's not good. Those yeah. things need to disappear. Those drives need to get it. If you can just – like some, they don't have to score touchdowns on every single possession. Yeah. They're not going to kick a ton of field goals because we still don't know what the hell is going on with the field goal position or the kicker position. But if they can just have like – a five or six play drive that moves the ball 30 yards and flips field position like that. The defense is instantly in a much better situation than they would be if it's a three play drive. Cause Isaac is not punting very well right now, right, which is it. another, their another special speaking of another in person shambles. in their head. It feels like, yeah, yeah, there's spe- like, they just need, they just need something to break. Right. Because I thought the defense in, in very, very small pieces against Ohio state had some, encouraging moments to begin the second half they force the field goal they don't let ohio state drive down the field and score a touchdown some encouraging moments if you just stop putting them in god-awful situations and there's been so many of them (laughs) then they can help you out and if you can just play the field position game a little bit better that that they just need something well i would say i would say that that something needs to be turn the take those turnover drives and make them into those flip field position drives right so if you just do that that helps your defense out because you do have to stop putting your defense in so many bad situations because part of what this defense under Eric Chenander is probably always going to be built around while he's here is getting turnovers and flipping the field to get it back to your offense right mm-hmm. but you can't do that if your defense is starting <laughs> its own territory it's on, like, yeah like you line. can't do that yeah. so like it all works together and that was the the larger point i wanted to get to which is we're not seeing that style of football from nebraska because they can't get the offense going it's supposed to be this offense races out like think about those games at ucf right and we watched in a bunch of them because we were waiting for scott to be the coach right so you're watching them and trying to see what they look like ucf would start games 14-3 17-0 whatever it was right they would start their games like that and then that defense could just feast on opponents right how many times have you seen that since they've been here it hasn't happened at all that's what we need. Like, when are we going to see that? And maybe that's maybe for to go back to my earlier analogy, that's skipping a step in which maybe the step need we need to peer pale it back or pair it back a little bit and go to the flip field position range right now, um, just until they can build up to that. But eventually, that's where they need to get to because that's where kind of the magic of how they run their team is going to happen. But I agree with you. In the meantime, they need to get to at least being able to flip field position and not put their defense in these awful situations because the defense, I'm gonna stick by this has actually been good for the majority of this season they break like any defense would break when they're continuously put in very bad situations mm-hmm. yeah any defense is not going to perform well in sudden constant sudden change situations no matter how how often lamar jackson talks about putting out the fires <laughs> like it's just not gonna work that way I, uh, so i i think it's it sounded before like i was like just 
railing on Martinez and doom and gloom and the sky is falling. Like, that's not how I feel. But, it, I mean, I think it's fair to say he has to start playing better. I think it's, right? just, I think it, yes, but I also think it's just, it's a little bit of frustration um, because I wish Nebraska could be in a situation right now with that offense where it wasn't. It was just one issue or one and another small issue. I think you laid it out well because I feel like there's issues at every level and every situ- everything involved in the offense has some sort of issue right now. And it can't, you can't have sustained success like that. You just yeah. can't. Like, I, it's not, it, it's not reasonable to expect that. I just, I, my hope is that they just have, and, and I hoped that this was the Illinois game. I hope this was the Northern Illinois game. I, I hope that it's this Northwestern game. Mm-hmm. They just have one of those games where it's just a big exhale, just a, a deep breath and an exhale. Adrian constantly thinking about, if okay, if I throw to somebody that's not named J.D. or Wando, are they going to drop it? Mm-hmm. Are the guys going to be open? Do I have to pick up X amount of yards on third down because we can't kick a field goal on fourth down? Do I have to uh, account for a high snap? Do I have to worry about protection on my backside? Like, mm-hmm. There's just so many things that I just I just hope that two or three of them can just get snuffed out, have the fire put out, like Ch- Chins likes to say, yeah. so that they can just have a big exhale. I just want them to have a little bit of comfort offensively because then things will start to fall into place, I think. Yes, I, 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 that would be very nice to see. Um, recruiting thing, let's talk about that. So the – like the the – prevailing thought whenever team x has a massive recruiting weekend and then they lose that game is that all the recruits look at it and say i'm not going to that school now what was the vibe that you got from the recruits that you've talked to and you've put up a bunch of complimentary pieces from from talking to guys that were there and guys that were on the sideline a lot of people have had complimentary things to say and you've mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff on hillvarsity.com read go read best site in the world That's right. um great website what 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 was the the overall vibe from the weekend. The overall vibe was that Nebraska, it, it's year two at Nebraska. They are not ready to compete with an elite playoff team like Ohio State, but I'm very encouraged by the future um, and where this program is going because I really like Scott Frost and this staff. Recruits are rational. It's in it. Imagine it, that. It, it's it, it's so funny that you are... say it that way because that's exactly what I thought in talking to so many of them that. It they took it seems like they took a big picture view, A, which is good, which I think is, is needed, but B that the coaching staff really has preached that first part, right? Is yeah. that we're not there yet, but we're going to be. And I think that that's a little bit of the head coach because the head coach is very confident that they're going to get there. And I don't know what in his history would tell you that he should not be confident. Um, that I, and, and that's just his personality, right? We've got to know he him made, enough. Sorry, no. I don't mean to interrupt you, but he made so many of those comments throughout the like the last week. He's been like, yeah. we, we missed our shot, but we're going to have plenty of other opportunities. Yep. And, in, they, and they, firmly, they firmly believe that. And I think that that is something that the recruits believe because he believes it and he's so resolute and strong on that point um and guys like logan smothers turner corcoran like they're very very excited about where this thing is going like turner essentially said that listen my class and the class before us we're gonna come in and really change this 
thing around um, because it's going to take a couple of years. Like we know that it's just going to take a little bit of time. Like Logan says that even though that game was a blowout, he still wanted to go out there and play um, that night. Like it just like these guys believe in where this coaching staff is going to take them. But also I think that part of that is um, that even though the weekend was very bad on the field, First, everything else surrounding that game was great. Like, between, and we saw this because we were out there kind of walking around between the game day situation with the facilities announcement before that game day, the pregame, like down on the field. One of the kids that they're real high on was at the basketball opening night and saw a Rick Ross concert. <laughs> right. Like, you, I forget about that. Like, there was so much stuff that happened. Like, all of that stuff. So, yeah, if you think about a kid that gets in on that Friday night for an official visit, and there were four of them, they get the Rick Ross, the facility announcement. The Rick Ross concert, game day, they had a brunch overlooking game day. They see all the stuff surrounding um, the game, pregame festivities. Then the game happens, so the game part sucked. But then you have Saturday night with potentially future teammates where you guys kind of go out and hang out. And then you have your Sunday coaches meeting. Like that that's that game result and i keep i always try to stress this to people and i know that people think that i'm like making this up but that game result is just one part of the equation and part of the reason to pull the curtain back why i say that so often is i've literally had parents tell me that like parents and recruits that are now on the team right now say listen i could my son committed after a loss it wasn't he didn't commit or have that one loss be part of like ruin his entire experience. He loved the coaching staff. He loved the guys that he was going to play with. Don't underestimate how much of a factor that is. The guys that are also going to be coming in that are in your class. And that's why I talk so much about the bond building within a certain um, recruiting class. Because I think that that's important and it's important to kids and their families. Um, but that game result, while it sucked, again, I want that out there and it was not ideal. It is one part of the equation. How real is the the thought process of like, okay, these guys are getting blasted. I can help them. Is that is that a real thing or is that overblown? That no, it's a real thing, but the, the, but there is a limit to it, right? So I would say that it is a real thing that guys do believe, hey, I can go and help them or I'm going to get there and change that. Hello, Savion Morrison. He's basically said that um, he's just a confident kid, but he should be. He's putting up like record setting numbers throughout his career as running back. Um, but there's also a limit, not in necessarily the blowout part of it, but a limit in I, I'm going to also need other dudes to come with me. Like I can't be the only one. Right. So you're going to have to have other good players um, coming in with you. But yeah, that's definitely a real thing. And the guys think that I can go and help or hey I can go play um, early in my career but that's where you also have to make sure as a staff that you're still recruiting like quality players that can come in and play not just a warm body that can come in and play because they think that they're better than say Mo Berry just a random example like it's just not you need to make sure you're still getting quality guys that can come in and play early you know what I just remembered I had literally completely forgotten about until this very moment what? Nebraska got to commit Saturday. <laughs> they, they did. Somebody committed like, to Nebraska Saturday. So, okay, so let me, I'm glad you brought that up. So, because of the, and it fits in perfectly with the doom and gloom, right? So, Nebraska got to commit from a very, very much wanted target on their board, Teddy Prohaska, Elkhorn South offensive tackle for 2021, right? They want him very badly um, because had he not come here, he was going to go somewhere in the region or somewhere in the conference, and you don't want that, right? And he's really good. He's probably a top 100 2021 guy. 
offensive tackle as well. Then, amongst the official visitors that were here, Rodney Gross, linebacker from Alabama, announces that he's going to make his college decision on Friday. This podcast will go live sometime Friday. Friday I, I think that he ends up being a part of the Nebraska class. Then you have Ronald Delancey, who is a cornerback that was committed to Louisville, was here on an official visit, announces that he's decommitting from Louisville. So there are things that happened over the weekend that were very good, and I feel like people just are like (laughs) completely pushing them to the side. That's not to say that it went amazing, because we did have the Miles Slusher tweet. I was just about to say, it's more important to talk about Slusher tweeting. It really is, because that is... were on the (laughs) sideline. Savage, savage. Um, so we'll have to see where that goes. And and, and oh, he came. Well, I would you, stop recruiting him on the spot. I probably would too. I, would I just, do not I know. Would be like, all right, dude. Uh, appreciate your interest. Talk to you later. Yeah, and to be for the record, I do not know whether or not they're continuing to recruit him um, as a staff. I know that uh, Sevian Morrison, who he actually came to the game with, which had to be awkward. Um, he still wants him to be <laughs> at Nebraska. I don't know if the staff feels the same way anymore. Uh, my like educated guess would be no, but I don't know that for sure. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have a Ryan Held convinces for us to keep recruiting. Uh, person X. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to have that. And it would have to be held because it's an Oklahoma kid because it's his area. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I w- but I am, uh, let me say again, I, I'm with you. I would not continue to recruit. Uh, yeah, I would, I would. We'll see though. Delete the number out of yeah, the phone. But, we'll see. Um, yeah, like like you said, it's it's just more fun to talk about that stuff. It is. It is. And then you still have other, like, like we've got to find out. Excuse me, what happened? Like, no one knows what Jackson Bratton thought. The four star linebacker whose best friend is Logan Smothers is committed to Alabama. Like, I am still trying very hard to get a hold of him. He hasn't talked to anyone. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that's uh, indicative of how he felt necessarily. It's just that when you're committed somewhere else, you tend to not do a ton of interviews. Like, Slusher hasn't done an interview. Ronald Delancey, I don't think, has done an interview, even though he decommitted from Louisville. Those are a little tricky because I just can never imagine that. Nick Saban exactly loved that visit. Uh, even if you're, even if you feel secure that he's not going to flip, like you still don't love that because Especially anything Alabama. can happen. Yeah, and because you have options, right? You have all the options in the world, so you don't need to be chasing kids as much. So we'll see what happens. But it was the sky is not falling. It is not. Just feels like it. It just feels like it. It does. But no, there, it doesn't. There will be. No, it, it does. Doesn't. Well, no, it, it depends. Doesn't. I don't want to say it does. Like, you're right. I don't want to say that it does because I think it's just a certain segment of the fan base that you will probably always have that feels like things aren't going well it just, or, it, as well as they should. It hits at something that you've talked a ton about this week. Like, every game is its own micro season, and it, it just, like, the emotions after the game are just dialed up to 10. There's just a lot of. A lot of extremes. And it does feel like that every every week is its people, own uh, Super Bowl. Like, people are just so anxious to have consistency. Yeah. And a, and a winner. A consistent winner. And I don't I don't and it'll do not take this as, as like, oh man, you guys are bashing on the fans. I don't, blame I don't blame people for wanting a consistent winner based on how the level of support that people give here, um, and everything that comes with that and how much money and time you guys invest in this. Like I totally get that. Um but I also think that there is a rush to an extreme because of what 
other staffs have done. And it's I, I get the feeling that some people are treating this as if it's just a continuation of Mike Riley's era, and it's not. It was a hard break, and we need to then build up the program from there. Like, I think you have to give the staff their time to do that, especially given how excited everyone was thinking that Frost is the right guy and how much people on the outside continue to tell everyone that Frost is the right guy. We just have to give him time. Yeah. Like all the ESPN guys that were here and ABC guys that were here this weekend basically said that. Yeah. Even in that loss. <laughs> um, can I end on something? Sure. On, on your one, world, man. One, I'm just living in it. One comment. I'm going to end on this and then yeah. we're going to go to the Northwestern guy. They're still putting out Mike Riley fires. They are. Yep. So that's a big, big, big part of this. I saw the the number going around that Frost has seven wins in his first seventeen games, and Riley had ten. That says more about Bo Pelini and Mike Riley than it does Mike Riley and Scott Frost. I would agree. So, all right, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, I'm excited to welcome in our next guest. I'm trying to remember who I had on the podcast last year, but it was not somebody at Inside NU, and I think that was a mistake because I've been reading your guys' stuff, and it's really, really good. SB Nation's Northwestern blog. Um, Noah Kaufman is on the podcast joining me from... Are you in Illinois? I'm in Evanston, yeah, right now. Although we will be making the trip to Lincoln this weekend, so... Oh, that's fantastic. Yep, gonna be fun. Get to see the Sea of Red. How are you, Noah? I'm well. Thank you for the compliment. I really appreciate it. This is always a fun <laughs> game. This is always um, a very entertaining game. It's back and forth regardless of how either team's season is going. This is always a um, a very close game, a nail-biting game. Um, Northwestern has obviously won um, the last two meetings. Both of them have come in overtime. Those were Clayton Thorson games. Clayton Thorson is no longer around. you got to help me out, man. What is going on with Northwestern's quarterback situation? Well, this is, uh, you know, it's tough for any non-Northwestern fan, and even really most Northwestern fans to remember, but this is a lot of what happened with Clayton Thornton in his first season as well. You know, there's a lot of growing pains with Hunter Johnson under center, and that's not to excuse what's happening right now, because regardless of how experienced your quarterback is, no offense should be struggling as much as Northwestern's is right now, uh, but, but this team is, has communication issues. They've always had play-calling issues, even during the best Thorson games. Um, and now those are being exacerbated by, by guys who weren't really on the same page. They just lost their best receiver, but it's Garonic for at least a month. Uh, so this team has problems offensively, and they're not going to go away anytime soon. So Hunter is going to be the guy yeah, he's this the weekend? Guy. Yeah, he's the guy. Okay. They, they've taken him out uh, now a couple times. The, the second time, this most recent time against uh, uh, Wisconsin was fully due to injury. Uh, he got hit in the chest so hard, I, I could have sworn he broke a rib on a third down completion, came back in for the next series, and then hurt his knee and was out for the rest of the game. So he was replaced by Aiden Smith there in that game. And Aiden Smith did okay, led a couple of touchdown drives, but, but really did struggle through a pick six and went eight for 20. Uh, he's, he's not the guy, even though he does look more comfortable in the offense. Uh, the redshirt junior, Hunter's the guy. He's got much more talent than anybody else in his quarterback room, at least from what we've seen so far. Uh, he's just not comfortable in the offense right now. And the, and the offense isn't giving him a lot of chances to make plays, to be quite honest with you. So is this one of those situations where Pat Fitzgerald looks at this quarterback situation and says, "Look, we just gotta we just gotta work through the growing pains." Yeah, absolutely. And 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 like I said, this is this is what we saw with Clayton Thorson in his first year for a while as well. Uh, but then the defense was even better than it is now uh, in that 2015 season. And so when Thorson did turn it around, it was quickly enough that they were able to win get win ten games. That's just not going to be the case this year. He also had 
one of the all-time great Northwest running backs, if not the best Northwest running back of all time, in Justin Jackson next to him. Uh, and while Isaiah Bowser and Drake Anderson, who are the two main running backs right now for the Northwestern uh, Wildcats, are good, they're no Justin Jackson. So a little bit of a different situation there as well. But, yeah, it's just a situation where Pat Fitzgerald and Mick McCall, the offensive coordinator, they just got to wait it out. And like I said, a good portion of the blame has got to fall on them as well, or at least McCall, who has come under a lot of fire over the years from Northwestern fans. And this year he's probably getting it worse than he has any of those other times. Why? Uh, just the, the play calling has, has certainly been up and down. There were a lot of times last game against Wisconsin. And obviously, you know, they played their last two games, I should say, first against Wisconsin and Michigan State. Two of the best defenses, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. Uh, obviously, you guys know a little bit about that, having, having just come off the Ohio State game. Um, but, but those two defenses are going to make most quarterbacks look pretty bad, of course. You know? So, so it's, not, it's not to say that there's not a little bit of, a, of mitigating factors there. But, but Johnson was 10 for 21 for 59 yards. I just wrote my, uh, my, my article kind of breaking down his film and recapping his game uh, before he came out at the beginning of the fourth quarter. 10 for 20, 21 for 59 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was also sacked. Three times, um, and he saw pressure on his throws, eight of the 21 throws, and that's without even taking a deep shot. They didn't throw the ball more than 14 yards down the field all game long. So this team couldn't keep pressure off of Hunter Johnson, even on the short throws. They refused to take anything, to even try anything down the field, even though earlier in the season he has looked good sparingly in those situations, and he made a couple of mistakes on intermediate throws. But for the most part, he's facing a ton of pressure, uh, and, and there's something going on with the offensive line scheme because uh, they let a lot of free rushers come through on blitzes. Uh, boundary blitzes is what Fitzgerald pulled us after the game, um, where, where it's just scheme issues, where nobody's picking these guys up. At the same time, this offensive line has three new starters, and they're just flat-out struggling as well. So there's all sorts of problems in the passing game for this team right now. Uh, Hunter Johnson might be the smallest part of those issues just, just as a thrower, if that makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't sound too dissimilar from what Nebraska's going through right now with their offensive line issues. Um, I, I, is Hunter is Hunter good to go health wise? Like, are are there any concerns that they have to maybe limit him or, or try to protect him a little bit with uh, with a game plan or with scheme? Um, he was healthy coming into this past weekend, uh, so certainly wasn't anything there. Um, I think he's okay. going to be good to go here. Usually, when a guy is at least significantly injured. They pull them off the two deep so they don't have to list their injury status. Uh, they left Hunter Johnson in his starting spot on the two deep this week. The injury report comes out as we record this tonight. So I, I think by the time you put this up, we will know uh, the status of Johnson. But I think he's going to be good to go. I feel confident in saying that. Um, and I think he's going to be playing. I, they, he might be a little bit limited in terms of his running ability just because it was a knee injury that took him out at the end, and his running ability was one of the most positive things about his game for these first couple of weeks. He's able to pick up a large chunks on the ground in the read option game and scrambles and all sorts of things like that. They even, even run some straight-up QB keepers for him, which is not something Northwestern tends to do too much. So that could be limited a bit. I don't think it's going to be limiting his throwing game at all. Uh, I, I think the, the, the only thing that's really going to be limiting his throwing game is going to be conservative play calling. I think Mick McCall, and, and I guess we'll get into the game preview aspect in a bit, I think Mick McCall thinks that he can run the ball down this Nebraska team's throat. They haven't been able to run it too well against Michigan State and Wisconsin, like I said, two really good fronts, but they ran the ball a lot against UNLV. They ran the ball a lot to start the season against Stanford and had mixed success in there, um, but, but especially against UNLV had a lot of success. And I'm not comparing Nebraska's defense to UNLV, but they're certainly not at the level uh, of a Wisconsin or a Michigan State. I think uh, Nebraska fans would agree with that. That's very interesting. Nebraska, through the first three weeks, they had a pretty pretty stout run defense. They hadn't given up yeah. 100 yards rushing on the ground through either of the first three weeks. The last the last two weeks, 
um, against Illinois, and then I'm going against off the Illinois game a lot. Ohio. That is the game that I watched. So uh, fair, fair. If it was before that, if it was better, uh, I did watch that, that, yeah. that whole Illinois game. So I'm going off of that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's a good game to go off of. Reggie Corbin gashed them a couple times, and they, they got out of fits a couple times. So it, it hasn't been great since then. Obviously, nothing was great against Ohio State. Um, you guys had a, a sort of a preview of the game on, on your website. There was there was three matchups to watch, and the first one was Northwestern's quarterback, Hunter Johnson, against the Nebraska secondary. And Nebraska's defense, the the method of attack for opposing teams through the first five weeks has been attacking that secondary um, Nebraska's giving up a lot of yardage through the air. Um, I, I was going to ask you, do you think that, that is, that's the, the place that Northwestern is going to try to attack Nebraska? But it sounds like you think that they're going to try to establish the run first. Well, I do think they're going to try to establish the run. But look, they're just not going to be able to do that unless they at least open this team up a little bit in the secondary. Even in that UNLV game that I mentioned, which the reason I'm going back to that is because that's the only time we've really seen the offense ticking. Uh, in the other three games, they've been combined outscored by their uh, opponents offensively when you take out garbage time. If you leave in garbage time, what, while their offense has been on the field in the three games against Power 5 competitions, this is, this is a stat for you. Northwestern's offense has scored a total of 42 points, or pardon me, 32 points, and has given up 21 points while, while, they're off, while their offense has been on the field in three Power 5 games. So that's not exactly what you want there. Um, so that's why I'm going off the UNLV game for positive numbers, um, although even, even if that might not be the, the exact, uh, the, the most uh, relatable game to this matchup, it's, it's what Northwestern is going to try to do, and that's to try to establish the run early, but mix it up with a couple of, of deeper passes, some, some possession passing over the middle of the field. So I do think they're going to try to, to, to take advantage of Nebraska's, what have been at least relative weaknesses in the secondary uh, in terms of get, making the occasional, you know, lot, lots of third down conversions. They're going to try to go that way. Uh, but if they win this game, uh, it's going to be primarily through the ground game getting it done on early downs and the passing game stepping up in the clutch. Now, if they don't have that passing game stepping up in the clutch, if Hunter Johnson is turning the ball over or just the, or the pressure is coming from Nebraska's front, uh, a front that is capable of it, um, then, then it doesn't matter what they do in the run game. Uh, but, but I do think they're going to try to establish that run first and foremost. Well, here's the key, I think, and this is what, this is what Scott Frost talked about on Thursday um, when, he met with, when, when he met with media for the last time. He said turnovers are going to be the key to the game. So Nebraska's tied for second in the conference in turnovers forced through five games, and yet they have a minus four. They've got double-digit turnovers. They've got double-digit takeaways already this season, and they're minus four in the turnover margin. Northwestern is tied for six. They got eight turnovers, eight takeaways so far, but they're yep. minus three in the turnover yep. margin. So this is a, these are two teams that have been turnover-prone, to say the least. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do, which do you think is, is more capable of winning that battle? I think Nebraska is slightly more capable, but I got to tell you, I think we're going to. This is a type of game where we're going to see multiple turnovers on both sides. I think we, we've talked about already how this game is always a little bit of a wild one. I think we're going to see, you know, two turnovers apiece, three turnovers apiece. The, the Northwestern defense is really starting to get into shape. Uh, had some huge plays last week against Wisconsin in a game where they were really focused on limiting the run first. Uh, and the question there was would their secondary hold up being left in one-on-one coverage with, with consistently putting eight in the box, nine in the box. That's not something they're going to do against Nebraska, I don't think. I think, the, you know, Adrian Martinez gashed them in that matchup last year. Everybody remembers the comeback, but people don't remember how Martinez just got whatever he wanted against that Northwestern defense. And I know that that was a different group up front for Nebraska in terms of the O-line, uh, and that's going to change. 
But I do think that Northwestern is going is not going to sell out to stop the run the same way. And I think that their secondary, uh, especially their safeties and their linebackers, are capable of making plays. Northwestern forces a lot of fumbles on the defensive side, and they get the interception when they need to. I think they're going to force some turnovers defensively. Offensively, I definitely think they're going to run into some. Uh, Hunter Johnson has made been good for one or two very bad decisions a game so far. That kind of comes with being a first-year starter, um, and I don't see any reason that that's going to stop. And if Nebraska gets the pressure I expect them to, uh, if they dial up the blitzes I expect them to, they're going to be able to create some turnovers through, you know, the, the occasional strip sack or, or a deflected pass at the line of scrimmage, stuff like that. I, I would be surprised if Northwestern did not turn the ball over, uh, and I would be slightly less surprised, but still surprised if Nebraska did not turn the ball over. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it will be um, fumbles all over the field. It will be fantastic to watch. Just what we exactly. wanted to watch on our Saturday. Exactly. Um, you mentioned Adrian, and Adrian had a pretty good game against Northwestern last year. The the third matchup that you guys wrote about to watch is, is Northwestern's defensive ends and, and trying to contain Adrian Martinez. Does, does Northwestern, um, when they look at Adrian, is it one of those things where this Wildcat defense is saying, look, if we can just contain him and, and – and try our best to not completely eliminate, but but keep in check the running element and force him to beat us with his arm. That we we feel good is that kind of what they're saying. That's that's what every defense so far this season has said. And and I, in the early part of the season, it sounded crazy, but the, it defenses have had success. Is that kind of the same mode of attack for this Northwestern defense? I think absolutely. I think in in a lot of ways it's that. And and this is a this is Northwestern. Uh, under defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz, has always had the bend-but-don't-break philosophy where they're willing to give you uh, the, those middling chunks as you move the ball down the field, but they're not going to give you uh, big plays either through the, gra- through the, through the legs of a, of a running quarterback or over the top. Now, that has left them prone to running quarterbacks at times where they tried to sell out for that deep coverage, uh, sitting back in, in, in cover two sets or, or things like that. Uh, I think that they're going to be a little bit more wary of Martinez's legs because they've gotten burned by running QBs in the past. Uh, not to say that Martinez can't make the plays with his arm. Of course he can. But I'm, I'm talking about QBs that can move at all. Like Brian Lewerke has burned this team with his legs before. So this is a team that's, that's conscious of that pass. Uh, I think that they are going to try to contain Martinez. At the same time, I think they're going to try to come after him as well. Uh, Northwestern likes to both blitz and keep things in front of them, which means leaving the middle of the field and especially the outside open a lot with corners sagging. I think they're going to do that same thing, try to get to Martinez in the passing in the, in the pass rush game, uh, alternatively with trying to contain him. I don't think you're going to see a play where neither is happening, but I do think Northwestern is going to come with those kind of competing philosophies at different points in this game. They're not going to be afraid to mix it up. Uh, in terms of the looks that they give him. Um, I think they're going to try to, to eliminate the big plays in Nebraska. Obviously got a lot of athletes on the outside. They're going to try to eliminate uh, plays over the top or, or breaking any, any sort of bubble screen uh, end around type of thing deep uh, or for, for a big gainer. At the same time, they're going to try to get after Martinez because they sense a bit of a weakness in the Nebraska offensive line, as I think a lot of teams have. Um, and, and so it's going to kind of be contrasting visions in those two respects. But I think, you know, depending on the scenario – you're going to see both. Uh, so Martinez might be able to get some plays happening with his legs if he picks his spots, but he's got to pick his spots correctly. Big game for, for linebackers, important game for linebackers. How's my guy Patty Fisher doing? He might be one of my favorite players in college football for the most like random reasons. I, I think that um, I absolutely love the running joke that he is Pat Fitzgerald's son, and so I've just kind <laughs> of latched on to the Patty Fisher bandwagon. How's he doing this year? Well, Patty uh, struggled a little bit out of the gate, as most of the Northwestern defense did. 
Uh, and even though he, it doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, I think he's been a lot better the past two weeks. Uh, a game against Wisconsin is not a game where linebackers are going to shine. You know, Wisconsin is the, the team that's going to put six huge dudes out there uh, and just run them through you offensively uh, in terms of the linemen. And you just got to fill those guys. You got to occupy those guys. Even if you're the linebackers, sometimes because of the way Northwestern is bringing their run pressures uh, with the safeties. But Patty made the plays that he needed to make against that Wisconsin run game. Wisconsin run game. Um, he's been solid overall. Uh, he still has the occasional weak spot in his game. A good tight end will expose him uh, on, on, on coverage. Um, a, a good RPO offense will occasionally expose him as well, uh, usually slipping in a, a slant or a tight end over the middle. But he's certainly rounded into form over the last two weeks. He's coming to Patty Fisher uh, that Northwestern fans know and love. Uh, and he's going to be ready to get after it on Saturday. Okay. What's your prediction for this game, Noah? I've been going back and forth on this. You know, I think Nebraska is just better than Northwestern in so many areas, but I think Northwestern's uh, weaknesses and their strengths match up well uh, against the same, uh, the weaknesses and the strengths of Nebraska overall. At the same time, I just think at home, you know, that obviously gives the, the Huskers such a big edge for the most part. Uh, and I think Nebraska is going to make the plays that Northwestern has not shown they're capable of making this uh, so far this year. So, like I said, I think it's going to be a wild game back and forth. Could 100% go either way but I will pick the Huskers uh, 27-24. Um, all right, Noah, I will link to um, your Twitter on our, on our site um, so people can come find you and follow you and, and read your work at, at Inside NU. It's Inside NU, that's SB Nation's um, Northwestern site. So, man, you've probably got work to do. I appreciate you um, giving us some time. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. That's it for this week. Make sure you uh, follow, read, like, subscribe, all the, all the things. Do all the things. Read HaleVarsity.com throughout the weekend. Subscribe to the podcast, whatever you're listening to it on. Um, we will have coverage on the football game. We'll have coverage on volleyball. We'll have coverage on basketball. Basketball was in Chicago for the Big Ten Media Days this past week, so Jacob Padilla will continue to keep you updated on that. And we will talk to you guys next week.